Hello, everyone. My name is John Vias, and you're a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Hoover Capital Conversations. Capital Conversations is an ongoing series featuring discussions between those who generate the ideas that enable a free society and those who turn them into actionable policy. We invite you to listen and participate in discussions between our issue experts and policymakers as they consider solutions to some of our most difficult problems. Today, I welcome Congressman Ro Khanna and InfoWorks CEO, Buno Padi. As part of the discussion, we'll be taking audience questions and encourage you to submit yours at the Q&A button located at the bottom of the screen. So let's get started with a brief introduction uh, of our guests. So Congressman Ro Khanna represents California's 17th Congressional District, located in the heart of Silicon Valley. Representative Khanna sits on the House Agriculture, Armed Services, and Oversight and Reform Committees, where he chairs the Environmental Subcommittee and is the Deputy Whip of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, serves as the Assistant Whip for the Democratic Caucus, and is the Democratic Vice Chair of the House Caucus on India and Indian Americans. Buno Padi is the CEO of Infoworks.io. The company's software solutions are enabling enterprise organizations to fully leverage their data assets and realize faster time to value in the cloud. Prior to assuming the role of CEO in 2019, he held executive chairman and chairman roles at the company from its inception in 2014. Buno brings over 20 years of experience as a CEO, entrepreneur, board member, and investor in technology companies. He is also a partner at Centerview Capital. So welcome, Congressman Kana and Buna. I'm excited for today's conversation. Thank you Thank for you doing this. So with that, we'll start the discussion. Uh, so just to frame it a bit, uh, this discussion is going to be focused on data infrastructure, in particular, in the, the, the idea of how do we specifically ensure a collection of systems and processes that are in place for delivering the right data at the right time and in the right place. So let me start off with a, a, a question that will sort of help frame the discussion in light of, of COVID, which of course uh, is something we've all been uh, dealing with far too much in the last couple of years. And we've witnessed many examples of data infrastructure potential to minimize the negative impact of COVID outbreaks and improve management and distribution of vaccines. Um, at the same time, I think most people would agree that COVID was something that provided an important example of how we might have benefited from, from better access to data. So the question is, how can private and public sectors uh, work together uh, to resolve issues with COVID data agility and analytics in a timely manner? John, I, I think what we witness is actually the failure of an antiquated data infrastructure to support the urgent needs of policymakers and agencies at a time of national crisis. So the, when we talk about data infrastructure, the be benefits of modern data infrastructure at a national level are enormous. Whether we are responding to crises such as pandemics, large-scale cyber attacks, natural disasters, or simply determining social policy and making operational decisions, timely and trustworthy data is just simply invaluable in assessing a situation and informing our actions and decisions. The pandemic, starkly highlighted the need to modernize the federal data infrastructure. So if you take a look at modern data infrastructures, they must at, at the very least at a high level enable easy and reliable gathering of data and also make that data easily accessible, deliver it to the right, deliver the right data to the right place at the right time to those who can leverage it. And that includes government agencies, academia and private sector. So simply gathering 
COVID-related data was a tremendous challenge where ultimately labs had to actually fax and email results. Yes, it's 2022 and I, I did say fax, right? So, so last month, Dan Jernigan, who's the CDC's Deputy Director for Public Health, Science and Surveillance, said that people are sp spending 80% of their time, 80%, just collating information, taking a fax and putting it into one of their systems. This is simply too antiquated to give, provide any value in this day and age. So the good news is the technology and automation exists today to solve these problems. The private sector can play an important role in helping the CDC and government as a whole in establishing these modernized systems uh, because large companies actually suffer from the same issues. They have leg legacy data infrastructure where there's abundant data silos, but there's no way to readily leverage that data in their case to improve customer experience, operations, or decision-making. So there is a tsunami of activity uh, in the corporate world, uh, modernizing corporate data. And uh, this is invaluable information and, 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 uh, and sort of experience for the public sector as well. So in addition to prioritizing the funding of the effort, the government needs to help establish standards that facilitate the sharing and protection of data and also direct agencies to implement these standards. The private sector can help by providing the technology and applying learnings and best practices to implement those standards in a modern data infrastructure. Okay, so, so, so if, if, I, if I could ask, turn to you, uh, Congressman uh, Kana, if, you know, obviously there's an enormous amount of data that's out there, some of it generated at, uh, by, private, uh, by private entities, there's local and state governments, there's obviously the federal government. Uh, in, in your view, uh, Representative Kana, what do you think the, the best role of the federal government is in uh, either building, supporting, enhancing, creating, uh, encouraging a data infrastructure that's up to the task of the challenges that we have these days? Well, the first thing is we have to uh, ensure people uh, that their data is being protected. Uh, one of the big concerns in the country is that people's data has been taken uh, without their knowledge, exploited, and, and people own the rights to their data. And so I've been advocating for an internet bill of rights to make sure that uh, people uh, consent to uh, the use of their data, that they know what's happening with their data, uh, and that this is a protection both against government overreach uh, and uh, private sector overreach. But then uh, I agree that we need a strong uh, data infrastructure with, with data that has uh, been consented uh, for use. Uh, we want to be able to use uh, it uh, effectively, especially if it's metadata and doesn't have uh, personal information. Uh, and we ought to be, uh, we should be uh, looking at building out uh, the infrastructure so that the government isn't one step behind uh, in the use of data, that we are actually uh, using uh, the data effectively to, to guide decision-making. Uh, and we should be able to do that because we have access to uh, so much of it. So it would be a shame if we weren't doing it uh, premised on the fact that we first and foremost protect people's right to their data. And I, and I guess on that note, um, you know, uh, Congressman Kana or, or Buno or both, uh, the, there's a federal data strategy and particularly a 2030 vision of the federal data set strategy. And, um, you know, do we have sufficient data infrastructure to support 
the progress, you know, to, to achieve that, it, or is that, um, is that something that we're really not lined up to, to achieve, or is there any, you know, what are your thoughts on sort of, of that moving toward that as a goal and how well positioned we are to do that and uh, potentially relatedly, whether that even, even assuming we achieve those goals, does that then solve the data infrastructure problems? We need more uh, investment in, in data infrastructure. And uh, that is something that uh, hopefully the competes bill, which is going to be $200 billion in science and technology investment, uh, some of it going to NSF, some of it going to uh, other agencies, that some of that could be used to uh, improve the, the data infrastructure, some of the grants. But uh, it's uh, obvious to me that we definitely need to continue to improve the, the data infrastructure capability in the federal government. So, John, just on that, I mean, first of all, have to applaud the foresight and vision that's gone into this federal data strategy. It's, it's, a, it's a firm recognition of the value of data and data infrastructure at a national level. And what's interesting is this was actually established before the pandemic. And unfortunately, we've all been witness to two years of evidence of the importance of such a strategy. So having said that, the answer to the question, do we have enough infrastructure is definitely no. Uh, if we're still faxing data from labs to the CDC, I mean, that's, that certainly speaks for itself. Uh, and, I'm, surprised, and so we, I'm surprised they're still sending this stuff by fax, but wow, I mean, I guess, uh, I, guess uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, 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 so here, here's, here's something I'll actually read. Um, so, so you can you can see this by example. So, so one of the, one of the things in the federal data strategy, one of the, one of the key tenets is the ability to share data, share it on a broad basis, right? So that includes government agencies, that includes private sector, academia, shared across the board to people who can leverage that, and that requires a fair amount of infrastructure to be put in place. And uh, as Congressman Kana just pointed out. You, have, you need software systems, not only to make the data available, but also to protect it, right? And to share it appropriately. Now, here, here I'll just read a section from the uh, um, 2021 uh, FDS or Federal Data Strategy Action Plan, uh, which by the way, was only published at the, in October of 2021. This is the 2021 Action Plan. It says, Several agencies have created integrated approaches to data analytics and decision support development, infrastructure and tools, et cetera. Yet there is no strategy for an approach that would provide decision support on common or urgent issues across multiple federal agencies. So we need a common infrastructure. We need a set of tools and data standards that the government can help establish to fulfill its vision. This does not exist today. The vision is sound. This FDS vision is sound, but it, we can't execute on this with the current infrastructure that we have. And I, I guess I'll just ask maybe Congressman Khanna, I mean, data, of course, means a lot of different things. It's a lot of different types of data, formats of data. You know, the federal government is an extraordinary complex place. Um, you know, do you think the sort of complexity of the data combined with the complexity of the federal government, even when we have sort of a, some sort of infrastructure, does that complicate you know, are there things we can do to sort of facilitate government entities and agencies working together, you know, in a collaborative way, given the kind of multidimensional complexity of that landscape? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, a challenge beyond just uh, data integration, and that is that 
Uh, there are a number of silos in the federal government where there is not uh, cross cooperation. There's not an understanding on even how the same systems work. There's not a, a similar design. Uh, and there are programs within the federal government now, the digital core uh, presidential fellows that are working on trying to better integrate uh, and uh, have better communication between different agencies that are tackling uh, the same mission. But I, I think the uh, complexity of uh, integrating data is uh, just one facet of the broader issue of how do we uh, integrate uh, systems uh, that are not uh, compatible in the federal government. It's amazing how one agency could be very different from another agency. It's not, there's not a, a standard around it. Right, so, right. I'm sorry, Bill, please. So John, if, if, if I can just pick up on that comment, that's, that's a really important observation. This is the same challenge faced in the corporate world. You have silos of data everywhere, right? And what you need to do is assemble that and make it readily and quickly available in a very timely fashion to somebody who can actually use that to create some value or, or provide decisions and, and dishes and support. So it's the same problem. And what Congressman Khanna is pointing out is that you effectively leads you to the conclusion that you need some standardization of these systems, at least at the, at the boundaries, at the interfaces, uh, where they need to be communicating and sharing. Right, thank you. And a few moments ago, uh, Congressman Khanna, you uh, uh, quite rightly mentioned privacy as a as a, as a really high priority uh, concern among many consumers. And um, I think there can be at least some level of tension between on the one hand, um, you know, the, the imperatives to protect privacy and on the other hand, the imperatives to you know, provide access to data. But obviously we need to do that, provide that access to data without sacrificing privacy. And um, as, as many people are well aware, uh, there's been quite a bit of, at the state level, there's privacy legislation. There has been places like California. Um, there may be, you know, and other states as well. Um, there's an active and ongoing dialogue at the federal level, federal level on privacy laws. And so how do you see what are almost certainly going to be uh, a fairly quickly evolving set of landscape changes involving privacy? How do you see that impacting the, the data infrastructure question. I, and this is a question for either or both of you, but I was sort of you know, nudged towards it because uh, Congressman kind of brought up the consumer privacy issue, which is so important. Well, I think a strong privacy regime is the first principle. I mean, until you have people uh, trust uh, the government uh, with the use of data, uh, there's always going to be a concern of giving government data. And I, I think the principle has to be that individuals uh, are own their data they are they have a right to their data and that they ought to consent uh, before giving their data and they ought to know what's happening with their data uh, that is the principle behind some of the state privacy laws and it's uh, the principle behind the federal privacy law that's being worked upon so uh, there's a debate about how you enforce action or not uh, but I, I think it's absolutely imperative that we have strong data privacy uh, at, at the front end of all of this. So, you know, one of the problems with, and I completely agree with Congressman Connor, this, this, this is critical. You have to be able to trust the use of your data. So this is, this is, this is necessary and we have to put it in place. 
the EU led the charge with GDPR a few years ago. And to date, we have 17 other countries that have followed, the latest one actually being China. In the US, we don't have this at a national level. We have three states, California, Colorado, and Virginia. And what is happening in other states leads us to the potential of having 50 different privacy laws across the country. Just to comply with those laws is a challenge not only for companies, but it's gonna be a challenge at the, for the, the federal data strategy to say, how do I protect it and comply with all of these other, all of these 50 variants of the laws? We really need a sort of blanket legislation at the federal level to cover this, much like Europe has done this and other countries have done this as well. 50 different flavors of privacy laws in the US alone just create a nightmare in terms of compliance. And I'll add another one. I think Illinois has a biometric privacy law, right? So that's a, yet another yet another kind of, of, of framework that applies you know, in, in one state and perhaps you know, certainly not, you know, not you know, that, that particular law is only in Illinois. Um, so yeah, that's a, a really interesting point. So I guess I also have a question about sort of, we talk about the public sector and the private sector, and we talk about them as if there's, you know, the public sector, which is sort of one, you know, one thing in the private sector, which is one thing, but of course the public sector is really complicated. And one thing, and I'd be interested in your thoughts of Congressman Khanna, if you, if you were able to give us some, some of your ideas, I mean, the public sector not only includes this incredibly complex system, which we call the federal government, but of course, it's the state and local governments, which, as we saw in, in very stark form with everything that happened during COVID, really creates a complex data environment. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, while on the one hand, respecting, having full respect for the rights of states and, and local jurisdictions to sort of, you know, build their systems uh, as, as they deem appropriate, you know, subject to all the normal sort of regulations, um, are, are there some, some ideas you have about how we can facilitate sort of a coordination across that multi-layered complex system, which we call the public sector? That's a great question. I mean, obviously in a system of federalism, we uh, have to respect some of the autonomy of uh, state and local governments, but where there is coordination required, uh, there could be uh, at the federal standards of uh, what uh, is needed where there are actual obligations that states and localities have to provide uh, information to the federal government. Uh, and where it's not uh, mandatory, there could be incentives uh, that encourage uh, uh, common platforms, common design, uh, and work with state and local governments and the federal government to uh, implement uh, systems that uh, make that more uh, possible and easier. Uh, and so you're right that there's uh, multiple tracks. You have to first figure out how the federal agencies themselves communicate, and then how the federal agencies can communicate with state and local governments, and then how do you get data from the private sector coming in uh, or nonprofit sector coming into the federal government? So it's a, a very complicated uh, puzzle. Bruno, any thoughts on that? No, I, I, I completely agree with that. It, it, that complexity has to be removed, uh, is, is my view, that uh, if, if we are sitting here with 50 different versions or flavors of privacy requirements, the, our ability to comply with that and create data, uh, a sort of a data infrastructure that can uh, share data across agencies, across uh, both government and, and private sector, it's just 
not there. So, so I mean, this makes me think about, I think, another aspect of this topic, which hasn't been, we haven't really touched on yet, which is cybersecurity, obviously of critical importance. I mean, on the one hand, I think having a, you know, a kind of highly distributed system um, is maybe it impedes the kind of collaborative decision-making and viewing of the data that, that can be beneficial. On the other hand, there's some inherent level of protection built in when you have you know, a highly distributed system with a lot of different kinds of subsystems. And so it becomes, because of that distributed nature, it arguably becomes a little more robust to cyber attacks. And so to the extent that we create sort of a more uh, coherent, coordinated data infrastructure, you know, does that raise cybersecurity concerns, either in the sense of having the data be hacked somehow or, or corrupted in a way that we didn't know was corrupted? And so, so any, any thoughts from, from Congressman Kano or Bruno on sort of how we might sort of weigh that issue as well as we sort of build this infrastructure? Well, I think we want to make sure that our most sensitive technology and uh, sensitive information isn't in a place where uh, it can be a part of another uh, data system. I mean, there are times where you have appropriately uh, safeguarding uh, information and, and, and data, uh, and we need to have a proper uh, encryption and, and protection of, uh, of data. Uh, but there are other parts uh, where uh, that trade-off is, is, is worth uh, having more integration and yet uh, uh, protection. I mean, there's obviously a trade-off to it, uh, and it's, uh, it's something that has to be balanced on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, so, so John, uh, you know, I, I spent some time on this. I actually sit on the board of a, a cybersecurity company as well. But there's, there's no level of protection that's absolute. It does not exist. Right, right? of course. We, yes. And whether this data exists uh, in a distributed fashion or consolidated fashion, ultimately, is not going to make that much of a difference. But what Congressman Connor pointed out is there's different levels of security and there's trade-offs at each level uh, as to the usability or utility of that data. Uh, as you lock things down more and more, it becomes inherently harder to use, right? So there, there, there is a balance between that, but I see cybersecurity and, and, and sort of security as a whole as a blanket over anything that we do that you know we, we that's part of the trust that's placed in a system like this that i'm going to put my data there it's going to be protected not only privacy from a privacy perspective but from breaches that could be ultimately very harmful okay i'll just ask one more quick question then we'll go to audience questions so uh, congressman Kana, you represent um one of the most tech-focused districts in the United States, you know, arguably perhaps the most tech-focused district. Um, and uh, what what can we, those of us in the policy community, do to kind of help make uh, increase awareness among um, members of Congress generally, you know, not all of whom, um, you know, represent areas as tech-focused as you do, to sort of just increase awareness about the importance of these data infrastructure uh, questions and, and of engaging in the policy dialogue to address them. Well, I think you're doing that. I, I think doing uh, a, a forum. This uh, webinar, right? Doing uh, webinars. Uh, but I, uh, I think the members of Congress, I mean, I've suggested that they should come, come to Silicon Valley for a few weeks, few day orientation. Uh, I, I, I think it's critical that as tech issues are no longer niche issues, uh, niche issues, they're uh, issues that affect everyday life that Congress people have basic uh, understanding. It doesn't 
you don't have to understand the details of computer science. Uh, but, you know, if you want to make rules for how you drive on a road, you probably want to have driven or been in a passenger seat at least. And so I think it's more about making sure members of Congress have the basic experiential uh, knowledge uh, and that they're capable of then bringing their values to make informed decisions. Well, thank you very much. So, okay, well, let me turn to some audience audience questions here. Um, so, you know, in a in a highly polarized time, my impression, and maybe I'm wrong, is that this kind of thing is, is refreshingly nonpartisan, right? Um, and I guess the question for Congressman Khanna is, um, uh, who is, of course, in a far better position than I am to know about these things, do you think that there's bipartisan support for addressing these kind of challenges? And if so, how do you see, how do you see you know, a path through Congress uh, on, on this? I do, although even the data privacy law, unfortunately, has gotten caught up in uh, partisanship. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Republicans want uh, to preempt all the state laws. The Democrats are saying preempt the state laws, but allow state laws that have higher privacy to still have some room. The, there's a debate on how to enforce it. Should there be a private cause of action or not? So theoretically, this is an area that we could have a commitment uh, to work across the aisle. But the devil is always in the details. And uh, sometimes those things become hard to sort out. But in terms of a sense of let's improve our data infrastructure in this country and figure out how do we uh, do that without violating privacy or security, I think you'd get a lot of people saying yes to that. Uh, Bruno, any thoughts from, from your side? You're, you're, you're very engaged in these policy questions as well. Well, I'm less, in, less engaged in the policy questions and more engaged in the how do you solve these problems type of... But that uh, means you're engaged in the policy questions if you're helping figure out how to solve them. So Yeah. No, I, look, I, I, I view this as important, that data infrastructure, as important as the internet infrastructure that we established a few decades ago, right? And that took the government, that took private sector, all working together to ultimately establish the right rules, regulations, standards, everything that was needed to put this all together. Uh, I would certainly assign that level of importance to a data infrastructure in this day and age. I see, okay. So another audience question we have is, um, you know, clearly, you know, uh, the data challenges are global in scope. We're, we're not the only country facing, um, you know, the, the need to, build a better data infrastructure. And I guess the, the question is, is are, we, are we seeing any other examples uh, in other jurisdictions uh, that can sort of provide an illustration of maybe things that we can learn from that might be working and that we might want to adopt here? Or by contrast, things that maybe aren't working so well and we want to steer clear of. Is there any, any clear kind of, you know, looking outward beyond the United States, any clear takeaways we can get by looking at that landscape in relation to this data infrastructure question? So uh, just, just a few notes there. First of all, I think we can learn from the unity of the EU in terms of privacy laws and privacy regulations. Uh, GDPR is a very strict set of rules and with very severe penalties at the corporate level for violation of those rules in protection of uh, individuals' data privacy. Uh, from that, we can certainly learn. There, there are bits and pieces of infrastructure in other countries 
uh, and without naming that all, that will, that actually proved much more effective in getting the data quickly to people who needed it in the for this for use in re responding to the pandemic. So we could do better. We could learn from these other countries, uh, but I think uh, there are there there are certain unique elements to what we have here that we need to address as separately. Right. I guess I, I guess one one obvious you know kind of piece of information for contextualizing is, you know, what might work in a country of, you know, 3 million people, right? Um, exactly. I mean, es Estonia is famously, you know, forward-looking in terms of data and um, that without, uh, without in any way discounting the uh, extraordinary efforts they've put in, it's a, it's, it's a much smaller population, right? It's, it's, so what you can do in a country like Estonia is, is, is maybe harder to emulate or replicate in, in a country as complex and, and large as the United States. Right. So, um, so okay. So, any um, uh, another question is: Are we learning anything in the private sector that can be applied to the the public sector? In other words, you know, the, I I think the the as we all know, of course, there's a vast amount of data that's collected and stored and processed and exchanged in the private sector, not only through the social media companies that we're all familiar with, but you know, some of the companies that are sort of at the you know, kind of behind the scenes and, and so on. Is there, is there, does that provide us some learnings that can help instruct us at the federal government level, how we might engage with enormous amounts of complex data with various ways, structured in many different ways with privacy concerns and so on. So, so I, I, I think that we can learn a tremendous amount. The problems that these, let's you know, put aside the companies that were built around data, such as Google and so forth, the older companies have exactly the same problems, certainly at a different scale, as we have as a country, or the federal government would have in establishing a, a data strategy. So there is a tremendous amount to be learned. And for one, it is a very complex task. There are many companies that have tried and failed and turned around and tried again. Uh, to implement modernized data strategies. Uh, and that is where all the learnings lie right now. And Congressman Khanna, I think you were about to say something when Bruno started speaking. Yes, and, I, and then John, I've got to run, but I, I really have enjoyed this. And let me uh, say this, I, I think it's so important that we get uh, more of the private sector talent into the federal government and understanding uh, the challenges uh, of building uh, data infrastructure, also understanding how to best uh, enforce regulations. Uh, you know, one of the challenges with GDPR is that uh, the tech companies run circles around them with dark patterns and find the lowest forums, uh, uh, least enforcement forums. So, you know, I think Europe's uh, misguided to think that they can innovate on policy without innovating on technology. I think it's ultimately gonna require technologists uh, to be able to regulate them as well. And that's why I think American leadership matters and, uh, and having uh, technologists in our government uh, matter. Uh, so, uh, you know, I definitely think we need a, a collaboration of, uh, with the private sector in, in, uh, in these uh, ideas. But I uh, appreciate very much the conversation and, uh, look forward to uh, much more engagement and your insights on uh, how we move forward. Okay, and uh, it sounds like Congressman Connor, you've probably got to run to your next commitment then. Uh, any other quick closing comments you wanna offer before we 
um, move on. Uh, just more I, on the I, I would general, general this comments. is an area that I would just say this is an area that uh, the uh, in the the private se sector policy experts, other uh, leaders can have an impact on because it's so unformed. It's not a place where uh, there's a lot of conventional uh, ideology or orthodoxies. And that means uh, your, your insights, your opinions can help shape us to get us uh, in the right direction. Okay, well, well thank you, uh, Congressman Connor. Thank you. Very much appreciate your time. And Bruno, I wanna you know, close with, with you, if, Seth, if you have any, you know, a minute or so of closing thoughts on the, on the topic generally, not, not necessarily specific to any one of the particular questions that we engage with. Well, on, on the topic generally, national data infrastructure, like I think it's a it, it, it's must have. It's not going to happen without support, incentives, you know, leadership from the government. And I, you know, I was I was happy to hear uh, uh, Congressman Kana's statement that this will garner bipartisan support. These, these ideas and concepts, and the and the value of it is is probably very well understood at this point. So. It, just as a as as a closing comment, I think a couple of things that can be done almost immediately is it can be prioritized higher than it is today. It can be funded in a way that is stronger than it is today. Um, I mean, I was I was reading some uh, a report from the 2020 progress of the uh, federal data strategy, and one of the things they're struggling with is funding budget, right? the average CDO, uh, chief data officer of these agencies, 50% uh, of them reported that they have less than 10 people supporting. Well, that's, that's not going to result in any great <laughs> infrastructure being built, right? So that it has to be prioritized, it has to be funded. And I was very happy to hear that there are there is indeed uh, the likelihood of bipartisan support for this type of thing. Well, well th thank you, Bruno, and, and we're you know, very appreciative that you and Congressman Connor were able to join us today for a really interesting conversation on a, on a topic that's certainly not going away. You can learn more about this series at hoover.org forward slash capital conversations. And I'd like to express my thanks uh, and my thanks, I'm sure, on behalf of our panelists. Thank you for joining us today. And I hope you'll tune in on Thursday, May 26th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, for a conversation between Hoover Director Condoleezza Rice and Senator Dan Sullivan. Thank you very much. <laughs>